I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that reveals a little bit more about history every day of the week. I'm Gabe Luzier, and in this episode, we're talking about the chance discovery of penicillin, a naturally occurring antibiotic compound, and one of the greatest advances in therapeutic medicine the world has ever known. The day was September 28, 1928. Scottish microbiologist Alexander Fleming discovered a life-saving antibiotic agent, which he called penicillin. Antibiotics are substances produced by bacteria and fungi, which are capable of killing or suppressing other microbial species. Humans have been aware of this special ability since ancient times, but the phenomenon wasn't understood or widely harnessed until Fleming's discovery in 1928. His breakthrough finally provided an effective treatment for severe illnesses and infections such as pneumonia, meningitis, gonorrhea, and rheumatic fever. The introduction of penicillin saved the lives of countless patients and changed the course of modern medicine. That means the drug also helped create the colossal pharmaceutical industry we know today, but uh, don't hold that against it. The development of penicillin for use as a medicine took a decade and a half and involved the labor of several pathology professors and a host of laboratory workers. But the man who got the ball rolling by identifying penicillin was Alexander Fleming. 
He was born in Ayrshire, Scotland on August 6, 1881. He moved to London when he was 13 and began taking classes at Regent Street Polytechnic. In 1901, he received a scholarship to St. Mary's Hospital Medical School. After completing his studies, Fleming accepted a job at St. Mary's as a medical bacteriologist. In 1906, he joined the staff of the inoculation department, where he administered newly synthesized drugs and vaccines to patients. Fleming developed an interest in the natural bacterial action of the blood and in chemical antiseptics such as carbolic acid. He was able to continue his studies on the subject during World War I when he worked at a wound research laboratory in Boulogne, France. It was vital work as the chief killer in human wars had always been infection rather than the battle injuries themselves. The First World War was no different prompting a desperate search for antibacterial substances that wouldn't be toxic to animal tissues. The war drew to a close without much progress on that front, but in 1921, Fleming made an important stride. He had already discovered that pus from open wounds had antibacterial properties, and he was eager to see what other bodily fluids might be used as antiseptics. One day, out of sheer curiosity, Fleming let his nose drip into an uncovered petri dish. To his surprise, the mucus caused the bacteria in the dish to disintegrate. He had just discovered lysozyme, an antibacterial enzyme that exists not only in mucus, but in tears, saliva, and a few other bodily secretions. Unfortunately, Fleming's later attempts to create a concentrated form of lysozyme were unsuccessful. However, his carefree, let's-see-what-happens approach to scientific study ultimately led him to an even greater discovery in 1928. It was mid-August, and Fleming had just set out from London on a two-week vacation to Scotland. Before we go any further, I want to say that by all accounts, Dr. Fleming had many admirable qualities. For instance, Time magazine once described him as, quote, a gentle, retiring Scot, with somewhat dreamy blue eyes, fierce white hair, and a mulling mind, which when it moves, moves with the thrust of a cobra. However, he was also, by all accounts, a rather messy worker. So messy that he didn't bother cleaning up his lab before heading out on vacation. He had been experimenting with the influenza virus, and had left a petri dish containing a staphylococcus culture sitting out on his lab bench. That bacteria should have been placed in the sterile environment of an incubator, but since Fleming didn't keep a very tidy lab, it was instead left out to fester for his entire two-week holiday. When the doctor returned on September 3rd, he noticed something unusual about the neglected dish. In his absence, the bacteria had grown, but so had a mold spore that had somehow made its way into the culture. The presence of mold wasn't notable in itself, but its distribution within the dish was. There were colonies of bacteria all over the dish, except for in the one area where the mold was growing. A ring of clear space surrounded the mold, almost like an invisible force field that the bacteria hadn't been able to get through. After placing the dish under his microscope, Fleming realized something remarkable. The mold had secreted a fluid, let's call it mold juice, that seemed to inhibit the growth of the bacteria. To confirm his findings, Fleming needed to grow more of the mystery mold. It took several weeks, 
But at last, on September 28, 1928, Fleming was able to identify the mold as a rare strain of Penicillium notatum, and further research revealed that it could effectively kill not only Staphylococcus, but a wide range of other harmful bacteria. He later reflected on that auspicious moment, writing, quote, One sometimes finds what one is not looking for. When I woke up just after dawn on September 28, 1928, I certainly didn't plan to revolutionize all medicine by discovering the world's first antibiotic, or bacteria killer, but I guess that was exactly what I did. His discovery did pave the way for the medical revolution he humbly described, but it's worth noting again that Fleming didn't actually use penicillin to combat infectious diseases. His work focused instead on penicillin's potential use as a topical antiseptic for cleaning wounds and surface infections. Fleming published a paper to that effect in 1929, but the scientific community didn't pay much attention to his findings. However, in the decade that followed, Oxford researchers Howard Florey and Ernst Chain carried on and eventually finished the work that Fleming had started. They developed penicillin for use as a therapeutic agent to fight bacterial diseases within the body, first in laboratory mice and later in human beings. They were aided in this effort by a biochemist named Norman Heatley. Through much trial and error, Heatley was able to grow huge amounts of penicillin mold, allowing the antibiotic fluid it produced to be suctioned off and purified for use as a medicine. His techniques were crude by today's standards, but they were a crucial first step on the road to the mass production of antibiotics. In March of 1942, 14 years after Fleming's initial discovery, a woman named Ann Miller became the first civilian patient to be successfully treated with penicillin. After suffering a miscarriage, Miller had developed an infection, streptococcal septicemia, that resulted in severe blood poisoning. In the past, there would have been little the doctors could do for her, and she almost certainly would have died. But thanks to the research of Fleming, Florey, Chain, and Heatley, Ann Miller survived and so did millions more just like her. Penicillin did wonders on the front line as well, greatly reducing the number of deaths and amputations among troops during World War II. An infected war wound was no longer the death sentence it once was. For example, in the First World War, the death rate from bacterial pneumonia was 18%, but during World War II, it fell to less than 1%. That incredible showing proved the worth of penicillin, and by the end of the war, American companies were cranking out 650 billion units of the medicine every month. Other antibiotics were eventually discovered as well, but penicillin remained the most widely used, and it still is today. In 1945, Alexander Fleming, Howard Florey, and Ernst Chain were recognized for their pioneering work when they were awarded the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine. Sadly, Norman Heatley received no such recognition, though Oxford did eventually award him an honorary doctorate of medicine in 1990. Although Fleming tends to receive the most credit for his discovery of penicillin, there's a common perception that he didn't really do all that much. After all, he didn't develop the compound for medical use, and even his discovery of it seemed to be a total accident. In all likelihood, other scientists had seen Penicillium notatum growing in their own petri dishes long before Fleming, 
But unlike them, Fleming didn't discard his moldy dish as a failed experiment. Instead, he used his keen eye for detail to recognize the mold's surprising properties, and then he exercised his scientific curiosity to learn more about them. As Fleming himself admitted, he didn't set out to change the world, but because of who he was, observant, curious, and somewhat messy, that's exactly what he did. I'm Gabe Lusier, and hopefully you now know a little more about medical history today than you did yesterday. You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can always send them my way at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.